Grace and mercy and peace are all yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. God's word for our meditation on this commemoration of the Reformation is our epistle lesson from Galatians chapter 5. Paul writes by inspiration of the Spirit, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. This is the word of the Lord. Stand firm in your freedom. That probably could be in a political speech these days, right? <laughs> the freedoms that we talk about in that realm, in that arena, boy, it's all over the place right now, right? My freedoms, and what I have the freedom to do or not to do, right? But when I say in a sermon, in a church, to stand firm in your freedom, I'm not talking about when it comes to your personal liberties as an American what you can do or not do, what the government can force you to do or not do, but instead, a freedom much, much, much more important. Dear Christians, stand firm in your freedom. Your freedom from the punishment of your sins. Your freedom from the condemnation of a holy God. Your freedom even from the guilt of your sin. Your freedom from the power of the devil. Your freedom from the jaws of hell. Your freedom from having to do anything to earn God's love or favor. Stand firm in that freedom. And don't take that freedom for granted. Because in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't that long ago that Christians didn't know that freedom. Roughly 500 years ago, the Christians of that time were in slavery. They were in the bondage of slavery because what they were hearing from the church was, you have to earn your forgiveness. If you want God to love you, then you better live a good life. 
and prove that he should love you. If you want to go to heaven, yeah, Jesus died for you, but you also have to do good works. They were hearing that you could even buy your forgiveness with a piece of paper. They were hearing that you had to do penance, you had to do things to make up for your sins so that God could forgive you. That's not freedom. That's slavery. That's fear. Fear of an angry, holy God who's going to destroy you if you don't get yourself and your life right. There's no freedom there. There's no peace there. There's no comfort there. There's no hope there. And that's what the church was preaching and teaching to its people because they had control to teach and preach what they wanted from the word because a common person couldn't read it. It was in another language. They were in slavery. They were in bondage to these lies, to these untruths, until until a young monk who was doing his best to live a good life and to earn righteousness from God, to become the person that, and, the, and, the, and the Christian that he thought God demanded that he be, till one day when the Spirit opened up his eyes to see that the righteousness that God demands is not something that we can attain. is given. A righteousness that comes from God and is received by faith in Christ Jesus. And the scales fell from his eyes. And the shackles were loosened. And it started a watershed moment that changed everything that reformed the church. Freedom was found again. Friends, don't take that for granted. The freedom that we have in Christ. Because there's always the danger to be taken back into that slavery again. That was happening at Paul's time. Oh, roughly 1,500 years before the time of Luther, even. The Christians in the area of Galatia had come to hear the gospel, the good news that Christ had done everything for them. He had lived perfectly for them. He had died for their sins. He had rose from the dead. And the Holy Spirit had worked faith in their heart to trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior and that that was enough. But all of a sudden, these false teachers came creeping into the church and telling them that it wasn't quite enough. Yes, it was wonderful what Jesus had done, but, oh, those butts are so dangerous, aren't they? But, there's still something you have to do. That, that Old Testament law of circumcision 
It was still binding for those Christians they were teaching. If you really, if you really want to be one of God's people, if you really want to be one of his chosen, well, then you must be circumcised. You see, they were coming in, these false teachers, and saying, yes, Jesus, but also you must obey the law. You must keep these Old Testament rules. Otherwise, you can't be sure. You can't know. And so Paul writes this letter to the Galatians. To people that he himself had brought this freeing message of the gospel to, he writes to them in, in a very, very harsh, but loving and words of warning throughout this entire letter. He tells them of the danger. The danger of falling into this yoke of slavery again. To taking Jesus and adding something they have to do. Paul says here just how dangerous this was. This false teaching that Christ wasn't enough. Look at verse 2. He says, Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Christ will be of no value to you. I mean, Christ is everything, isn't he? But if you think that you have to be circumcised in order for God to love you and to be his child, be one of his chosen, then what Christ did for you means nothing. Nothing at all. It's one or the other. It's either what you do or what he's done. It can't be both. He goes on to say, Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. Paul is saying you, you don't get to pick and choose. If they're coming in and saying you've got to be circumcised, you have to follow that Old Testament law of circumcision, well, then you've got to keep all the laws. If that's the way you want to go, if you want to earn God's love and favor and forgiveness by your obedience, then you've got to keep the whole law. Good luck with that. He goes on and he warns them. You who are trying to be justified by the law, which means that you're trying to make yourself not guilty of sin, trying to get yourself right with God by obeying the law and doing these outward things, you have been alienated from Christ. If you want to try to justify yourself by the law, have at it. But know what that means. You're alienated from Christ and everything that he's done for you. His perfect life lived for you doesn't matter because you're trying to do it. His death on that cross means nothing because you're trying to atone for your own sins by your obedience. That resurrection from the dead doesn't offer you any hope because you're doomed. It's one or the other. It's the work of Christ or your own. And then he ends with this sobering statement. If you're trying to justify yourself by the law, you have fallen away from grace. No longer then are you relying on the undeserved love of God, that grace that he shows to sinners like us. Instead, you're saying, I deserve God's love because of how I live and what I do. And you can't have it both ways. 
It's either being saved by the undeserved love of God or being saved by what you think is a deserved love from God. You fall from grace if you think that you can justify yourself by the law, by your obedience, by getting yourself right with God by what you do. It's a great danger. It's what was holding the Christians of Luther's time in slavery. It's what was a danger, and even that many had fallen into, it seems, in the time of Paul, when he writes to the Galatians. And so, know that we're not immune to this either. Know that it wasn't just of their time, that those dangers are out there, but even today. We're not immune to being put under this yoke of slavery again. Because they still exist, those false teachings. The false teachings that were there in the time of, of Paul and, and the time of Luther, they're still here today. They might look a little different and sound a little different, but they're still there. There are churches that are masquerading themselves as Christian who are preaching and teaching a righteousness that can be earned by works of the law. That yes, Jesus died for you. Yes, isn't that wonderful? But he's your example so that you can be like him. And you can become like him and you can earn God's righteousness and his favor by the works that you do in your life. And, and then maybe you can get into that afterlife. There are churches that masquerade as Christian that teach these things. It's those who are caught in it are under the yoke of slavery. They don't know freedom. They don't know freedom of the forgiveness of sins. They don't know freedom from guilt. They don't know freedom from, from condemnation. Instead, those things are constantly hanging over their heads and pushing them to be better and better and better. And yes, they might look real happy. They might have big smiles on their faces and their, and their families seem so happy and wonderful. But inside, they're hurting. Because they're just ridden with guilt. Have I done enough? How do I know for sure that I've done enough to please God? How do I know I have that righteousness? And that false teaching is out there. And it has its claws in many. But it's not just churches masquerading as Christian. There's even those who are Christian, who do teach... Jesus Christ as God and Lord, who also say, but, but you've got to prove that you're a Christian. You have to live this life of good works. Otherwise, are you really a Christian? You see, there are Christian churches that still teach that it's grace plus works. Jesus plus what you do. That yes, he lived for you, and yes, he died for you, and yes, he rose for you, but, but now you have to live for him to prove that you're really his. Friends, it's just a little twist. 
of the truth, isn't it? But so dangerous and so deadly. And it puts again on Christians the yoke of that slavery that you can't really know freedom. Freedom, that does God really love me? Have I done enough good works? Do I really have heaven? Am I really forgiven? There's no freedom there. And along with the false teachings that are in the churches that are masquerading as Christian or actually Christian, well, you've got that old evil foe, don't you? The devil. Remember whose name devil means liar. And one of his favorite lies is to come and tell you you're not good enough. Which partly is true. But that you're not good enough and so that you need to be better. You need to get your life right. You need to straighten things out. You need to stop sinning so that God can love you. You need to get your life so that God will show his favor to you. That's one of the favorite lies of the devil. Taking the truth and twisting it and putting us again under that yoke of slavery. And the danger of these, these false teachings and the danger of these lies of Satan is that, that it gives our human nature what it craves. Because the human nature wants to know, what do I have to do? Just give me a list of things to do. Right? The human nature wants to earn because that's the way this world works. That's the way we think, right? If you want something, you got to work for it. And so that human nature will translate that into our lives too, our spiritual lives. What must I do? How do I get right with God? How do I make up for that sin? How do I make sure that I'm going to be in heaven? How do I know that my sins are forgiven? What must I do to do that? Right? Those lies of the devil, those false teachings that might be even so subtle, just feed that human nature. My friends, it's a danger. A danger that we face. To fall back under that burden of the yoke of that slavery to the law. And to put aside that freedom we've been given in Christ. Now, just a little aside here. Paul and, and Luther and, and, and even, of course, the Holy Spirit would, wouldn't say that good works are necessary. Just that they're not necessary for your salvation. This is how Paul says it here. He says this in, in uh, verse uh, the end of verse 6, right at the end of our lesson, he says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So what the Spirit is saying through Paul to us here is that these outward things, right? This, for the Galatians, it was circumcision. Or whatever it might be for us, that yoke of slavery, those things don't matter in Christ. You are free from obedience to that love. The only thing that matters is that faith. That faith in Christ Jesus that gives us that righteousness from God. That's what matters, which then gets to express itself through love. Faith will show itself in good works, in love for God and love for neighbor. Good works are the result of faith. Good works are the result of the righteousness that we have in Christ.
not vice versa. We don't do good works so that God will save us. Christians long by their faith to express itself in love because we are saved. We don't want to obey God's law and give him glory and honor through it so that he might love us and he might forgive us. We desire to obey the law and honor God and glorify God through it because he loves us and because we are forgiven. We don't do good works so that maybe God will set us free. We do good works because we are free. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Not forced, but moved. Moved by the gospel. The good news that all is done. All is finished. All is complete for me and my salvation now and forever. So that I can live a life of good works. Free from that yoke of slavery of the law. Dear friends, stand firm in that freedom that you have in Christ. Luther certainly had to stand firm in that freedom. It was not easy. It would have been so easy after the firestorm that he created when he nailed those 95 theses on that door in Wittenberg on October 31st, 1517 to just take it all back. Kind of make it go away. He didn't realize at the time what, what he had done and what this would mean. Just four years later, 1521, Luther was called before what's called the Diet of Worms, not the Diet of Worms. The Diet of Worms, which was an assembly at a place called Worms, which he was called and summoned to, to stand before the emperor of the Roman Empire himself and also the leaders of the Catholic Church because at that time they were so intertwined you didn't know one from the other. And all of his writings in the last four years were laid out there. And Luther was given the choice to recant, to take back everything that he had written and maybe they would have mercy on him and spare his life. As Luther stood before the deed of Worms that day, he was filled with fear. And he asked for another day to think about it and pray about it. Well, the next day came. And he stood there again and he was asked, do you retract? The, are these writings yours? Yes. Do you retract everything that you've written? And Luther gave a rather long speech, but the words of which you probably know the end do. I cannot recant anything. Here I stand. I cannot do otherwise. God help me. How do you stand firm in your freedom? The freedom that you have in Christ? The same way Luther did. Only by the help of God. 
only by hearing this message of the gospel again and again and again and again. The good news that all is done. When those false teachings come and tickle your ears, when those lies of the devil come once again to that human nature that, that want to tell it, hey, what do you got to do? Go to the gospel again and again and again and see what's been done. Not what you have to do, but what's been accomplished for you in Christ Jesus. The freedom you have in him. Paul writes about that here in our lesson. Listen to what he says in verse 5. For through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. How do we stand firm in this freedom? By the power of the Holy Spirit, working through word and sacrament to point us again to that righteousness that we have by faith right now, clothed in that righteousness alone, and that righteousness that we will get to enjoy forever that is ours through hope. We are a people of hope. The confidence that all is done and we stand on that solid rock truth of Christ. Stand firm in your freedom. Stand firm in these truths and let the word do its work. A year after Luther stood before that Diet of Worms, so it's 1522, five years after that fire started with those 95 theses being posted on the church door at Wittenberg, he had been asked how he did it. How did he make this reformation happen? What had he done? And so he addressed it in a sermon that he gave. It was 1522, 500 years ago this year. This is just a little part of that sermon. Addressing that, what did he do? He said, I did nothing. The word did everything. I, had I desired to foment trouble, I could have brought great bloodshed upon Germany. Indeed, I could have started such a game that even the emperor would not have been safe. But what would it have been? Mere fool's play. I did nothing. The word did the work. What do you suppose is Satan's thought when one tries to do the thing by kicking up a row? He sits back in hell and thinks, oh, but a fine game. The poor fools are up to now. But when we spread the word alone and let it alone do the work, that distresses him. For it is almighty. And the word takes captive the hearts. And when the hearts are captured, the work will fall of itself. Stand firm in your freedom, dear Christians. Stand firm in those truths of the word of God. And then go and proclaim them. Because there's millions and probably more like billions of people who are still in slavery. Who under that yoke of the law. Who think they have to earn God's favor who are trying so hard to be a good person so that maybe they can get into heaven someday. Maybe God will bless them. Maybe God will show them some love and favor. Friends, you know this freedom. With the help of God, you can stand firm in this freedom that you have in Christ. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. 
And so we can go and proclaim that freedom to the captives, to those who are still in bondage. We get to proclaim it to each other when we fall into sin. We get to proclaim it to the world that they too have a Savior who has done all things for them and that they too are saved by the grace of God alone through the work of Christ alone, which is received by faith alone. It's revealed to us in these scriptures alone, and it's all to the glory of God alone. May God bless us and keep us in this always. Amen.